You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 623 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a fine Monday evening in September. Uh, not a ton going on. There is a little bit of news to hit on, though, and today's a solo show. You'll, you just have me for you know, 20 minutes or so talking about the latest with the Hawks. As we get closer to the season, it'll be a lot more solo shows. Um, as, we get, as we get closer to you know four or five days a week once the season actually arrives in the summer, not too much going on, mostly guest-driven shows. And uh, In fact, the most recent podcast episode that I did was at the end of last week with Jeff Siegel. We talked about centers on the the uh, Hawks roster for you know more than an hour, and people really seem to enjoy that for the most part. And even the uh, I guess the pushback to that podcast generated some interesting discussion, which I appreciate as well. So thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. Um, and as for today's agenda, the first thing on the agenda today is going to be the uh, first top 100 list coming to light uh, earlier today on Monday. Um, pretty much every year, all of all of maybe not all of uh, most of the national outlets put together a top 100 player list. It's been, it's been a popular uh, segment topic um, for a while now, and it makes a lot of sense as sort of a way to kick off the NBA c- calendar in some ways. And uh, Sports Illustrated's came out on Monday. Um, Rob Mahoney is the uh, person now, I believe, solely responsible, or at least was responsible for writing up the list. And for a long time, it was Rob Mahoney and Ben Goliver, who is now at the Washington Post. Those guys do a really good job, and uh, I think Rob is one of the best in the business. But with that said, there were two members of the Hawks that made the top 100. Obviously, they are the two guys that you would expect to make a top a top 100 list. I'll be a little bit surprised if both Young and Collins are not on every top 100 list this year. So no surprise that they actually made this one. I guess if you're looking for... Um, more than two, you'll be you'll be disappointed. Uh, Kevin Herter would have been the uh, at least for me the only other guy in consideration for a top 100 list this year. But um, you know, guys like Marvin Bagley and Godfrey Ayton didn't make this list, for instance. And uh, you know, I think uh, for a long time, Ben and Rob, and I guess Rob now by himself, they're going to lean a little bit more towards veterans. Uh, just the safety of that as um, it's, it's a list for this season only, not a list for the future which is always worth keeping in mind as well. But only two guys, uh, Trey Young came in at number 62 overall, and John Collins actually edged Trey Young out for the top spot among the Hawks at number 51 overall. In fact, the entire list is not public just yet. It's just the um, 100 to 51 segment of the list, which the one the list that I was able to see on Monday. So two Hawks in the bottom half of the top 100, but Collins was the, uh, the last guy on that list, which is the best spot to be in on that list. Um, the initial pushback that I saw, at least on on Hawks Twitter, at least if, if there was there wasn't there wasn't too much I will say, but the initial pushback had to do with Young and potentially being too low, which is a normal fan reaction. Clearly, um, I thought there was no real issue with it, but there are some guys that are ahead of him that you would certainly raise an eyebrow at if you want to be optimistic for this year. For instance, uh, he was behind Lou Williams. He's behind. Um, Bogdanovich, he was behind Clay Capella, he was behind Gordon Hayward, who was really bad last year in Boston, for instance. Um, Aaron Gordon, Malcolm Brogdon, just a little bit of a smattering of guys that he was behind. You know, Gordon Hayward's a really weird one, for instance, because uh, he was like a basically a borderline star two years ago and then got injured and now is not that guy anymore necessarily, but I guess he, may, he might be able to be that guy again. I mean, I would certainly argue that my baseline expectation for Young is a little bit higher than those guys for this season. If you want to read about um, Rob's list uh, and my uh, full thoughts on it, I guess I wrote a little bit up Easter Hoops today, and I would definitely recommend checking out the entire list to read what Rob wrote about each guy. But 
basically the crux of it was that Young's defense is not good. Uh, <laughs> that's the simplest way to do that. And then, of course, just kind of the expectation game and just the way that, you know, obviously he was very, very good down the stretch of last season. But, you know, the full season numbers he referenced the shooting and how it wasn't quite as good as people might think that it was last season, et cetera, et cetera. Something that we've obviously covered all that stuff at various times on this podcast. But number 62 overall, I think a little bit lower than I probably have him, but uh, not egregious is what I, the way that I would say that. Um, Collins, 51 overall, is about right as well. You know, Collins has great numbers, and that uh, was one of the roundtable topic that, topics that we did at PeacherHoops.com. I asked the Peacher Hoops staff um, a couple of weeks ago um, to tell me who the best player was in this Hawks team for this season. Got some, got some split reviews on that. The comments were the same way. I, uh, I I answered John Collins just slightly. I don't think it's clear by any means, but it's obviously a two-man race. I, I think I, I would lean towards Collins, and it looks like Rob is leaning that way as well. Collins is a little bit safer right now. Um, we, we've now seen it for, you know, we, we've now seen it for, really for two years, but there was, it was a new level last year for Collins. I do think that Trey Young uh, helps John Collins in a lot of ways offensively, but combine the fact that Collins Collins is a better defender. You know, Collins does have his defensive issues, of course, but he's a better defender than Trey is. And I think just the efficiency and the way that he's operated, that kind of leads me to him. But, you know, still, there would not be a big surprise to me if Trey Young is a kind of a unanimous number one option. I've said before that Trey is a better prospect. I obviously believe that. I think it's pretty clear, honestly. But uh, for right th- for right now, this year, I would lean Collins as well. So no no real, real big issue there. I'll be interested to see um, who is ahead of Collins, who, who's right ahead of Collins. But the guys that he was ahead of that I referenced, um, all those guys that that Trey was behind, that Collins actually ahead of all those guys, that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and we'll see. I, th- I think by next year, you'll probably see Kevin Herter on this list um, or other lists like this if he takes a step forward because I think even right now, he could probably argue over, I'd probably argue on behalf of Herter over two or three guys that are on the list right now. Um, but, you know, given the context that he was um, not, I guess he was joined on the snub list by guys like Aiton and Bagley, who were top five picks, Goran Dragic, there's plenty of names on this list that were not making the top 100 that did not make uh, Kevin Herter's omission particularly interesting to me. So I tweeted about this a little bit today, but I'll be interested to see how. Young and Collins are treated. I expect them to be kind of a split in some ways. I would I would bet that at least one or two outlets rank Trey ahead of Collins, and I think nationally Trey is much more famous. Part of the write up that Rob did actually about Collins was that basically calling a shot that he would be more appreciated nationally um, at this time next year. I definitely believe that. You know, Collins is someone who put up great numbers last year. I think is still underrated. I was my heart was warm to see Collins like you know forty spots ahead of Kyle Kuzma. That's been a fun uh, argument back and forth in, uh, in the last few months. I guess fun in quotation marks, but I think that's very clearly in Collins' favor, for instance. So um, some nice recognition for him in that way, and I think Collins might be a little bit lower than that on some lists, so it's a, it's a good thing that these guys are talked about nationally, and this is just one benchmark. We'll cover the rest of them when they come out, whether it be at ESPN or Washington Post or whoever, and CBS I'm sure does one. There's all kinds of these uh, lists that will be coming out in the coming days, and this was sort of the first big one, and I wanted to hit on it as a result of that. So, with that said, let's go to a quick break. We'll come right back and talk more about um, the newsy stuff of the day. All right, and we're back to talk about um, something that I don't really care about too, too much, but I got a couple of mailbag questions actually about this topic, so I forgot I would just touch on it now. Um, NBA 2K is out for the 2020 campaign, and as a result of that, people are talking about the uh, ratings. This has been one of those things that's um, been leaking out for quite some time now, sort of one by one. You saw stuff on Instagram and Twitter pop up over the summer, and now the full rosters and the full ratings are out. The Hawks numbers are out. I don't really care about too many of those things, but um, for instance, number one, 
on the Hawks roster is Trey Young, which is in uh, contrast to the SI Top 100. But Trey only has a one point gap over John Collins. Trey got an 85 rating. Guys who also have 85 ratings. I'm going to read you the list of guys who I always compiled that had the same exact rating as Trey Young. Um, Chris Paul, Al Horford, Clint Capella, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, uh, Zach Levine, Kyle Lowry, and Jason Tatum. Um, there are certainly guys on that list that I think are better than than better than Trey Young right now, um, but Trey's also better than some of the guys on that list right now. Um, so a pretty appropriate rating in some ways. It might be a little bit high. I think NBA 2K generally leans too high for young players, especially young, popular, famous players, um, whether it be rookies or guys like Trey Young, who are certainly um, you know famous at this point in time and have big time impact, and obviously defensively are where Trey's issues uh, lie, and offensively it's probably going to be going to drive mo- most of stuff in, in, in NBA 2K. So no big surprise there. I'm not sure, at least that I could find that there's anybody that has a higher rating that Trey is actually you know sort of clearly better than, and I think that's a pretty appropriate rating. And of course it's going to change in the future, so no big takeaways there. Uh, Collins at 84, just one spot behind Trey Young, uh, the same rating as Lou Williams, Kyle Kuzma, Jamal Murray, Buddy Heald, among others. I think Collins is better than all those guys, with the potential exception of Buddy Heald, who was awesome last year, sort of in a low-key way. Um, but, you know, Collins, we've talked about Kuzma a, a lot. Collins is better than that, and I think um, for me, I'd flip Collins and Young, but it's, it's just a small thing. that I don't really care too much about that. The most egregious thing that I that I saw, honestly, on this list of, above, of, of Hawks ratings is the fact that Jabari Parker has the third highest rating of anyone on the Hawks roster. That is uh, silly. I, I know Jabari has some upside. I will definitely um, defend that about his game. I didn't love the player option, as we talked about a number of times, but um, I'd be fairly surprised if he was the third best player on this team. And um, even beyond that, I think having him as the baseline of the third best player is a bad um, thing, a bad evaluation. It kind of leans into NBA 2K, and there were some uh, issues I, again, I don't want to go te- too deep into this stuff because people get more mad about this than I'm ever going to. It's a, it's an NBA video game. But because it's a popular topic of conversation, it comes out a lot. And uh, Jabari's overrated in this game. Uh, that's kind of the way I want to put that. It kind of fits the archetype, though, of someone who is famous, who who is a scorer first and foremost, and third and fourth and second, <laughs> all those things. Uh, you know, He's going to be rewarded in some ways, but Jabari is not the third best player on this Hawks team. I guess he could become one. Uh, could, he could become that if he, has a, if he has a great season, but in some ways he's kind of also blocked in to a certain extent. So that's where I'll leave that for now. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, uh, as we talk about the rookies for a second, Hunter is a 77 in the game. He is tied for fourth among rookies alongside Darius Garland and Jarrett Culver, which sounds about right. I think, again, rookies are very overrated as a general rule in this game. Um, for instance, DeAndre Hunter having the same rating as Alex Len is not a smart thing, and being behind Parker is kind of weird too, but... Um, Hunter, as a rookie, I, I am very. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, or I guess one of the one of the first times in your uh, in, in your life, first of all, welcome. But second of all, one of, one of my key theories is that rookies are generally bad. Um, that doesn't always apply. There's always some rookies that are pretty good, like Trey Young last year, for instance. But I think rookies um, are generally very overrated by this game, and just by the general consensus, just because they're kind of famous, they're top five picks in, in Hunter's case. And I think he is um, not a 77 so far. I do like him quite a bit, and uh, we'll. Talk about him more in the future, but that seemed to be high for me to have him as the same rating as Alex Len. And uh, more interestingly, Hunter has a higher rating than Kevin Herter, and uh, I would be willing to bet a substantial amount of money that Kevin Herter has a better season this year than DeAndre Hunter. Um, you could certainly argue those guys versus each other um, for the future. That becomes more interesting. But for right now, Kevin Herter was a quality NBA player second half of last se- for the second half of last season. I'd be pretty surprised if Herter wasn't better than Hunter th- for this year only, and that's just one of those little things. The other rookies, uh, Cam Reddish, a 75. That is 7th best among rookies. Um, 
actually by himself with the same rating as no one in the rookie class, but ahead of Jackson Hayes and Rui Hachimura, who both went ahead of him in the draft, so that's something to point out. Um, other little things, Damian Jones was was a 75. I think I'm kind of pro-Damian Jones against the consensus. At the same time, that is far too high for Damian Jones. Uh, he is ahead of Evan Turner. He's ahead of Vince Carter. He's ahead of Alan Crabb. He's ahead of Downer Bembry. That's kind of silly um, across the board there. I'm not really sure why that would be. I guess maybe it's a Warriors hangover thing, but Jones is not that good. Um, elsewhere, not too much that I want to, that, that I want to get into right now. Um, Bembry, there was one uh, tweet that he actually sent out that I made note of. He quote tweeted somebody else talking about the fact that Bembry had, an, had apparently had a 69 defensive rating. I've not seen the game in full of getting these numbers from Uprox, um, but it's one of those things where if that's true, if Bembry has a lower defensive rating than he has overall rating, that's uh, the, the definition of lunacy because he's a much better defender than he is at really anything else on a basketball court right now. That's just again one of those things that you have to uh, talk about. Um, yeah, that's probably enough. On, on that altogether, I could I could do a deep dive, but I'm not going to do that on NBA 2K. But so, because a couple, actually more than one person asked me, I always wanted to talk about it a little bit. No egregious things other than Parker, and I think the rookies are generally overrated. But that's just one of the things that I have to talk about. And uh, Kevin Herter, again, the clearly the clear the, the clear third best player for me on this team right now. Um, I guess I guess if you could make an argument for Alex Lynn, I'd be okay with that. But um, that's kind of the top four in a pretty clear way for me. So to have those guys not be the top four on this list is wrong. But alas, here we are. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to answer two quick mailbag questions. Um, first of which comes from Sean, who says uh, he enjoyed the discussion about the centers on the last podcast, but he wanted to ask, what are the chances that Alex Lynn is actually on the Hawks roster this time next season? Um, that's interesting in a lot of ways. Of course, we, re- we really can't know. Um, that's, you know, just because free agency and he's the fact that he's not, you know, restricted. He'll be an unrestricted free agent uh, th- this time of year from now. Still... You know, you have to look at the other free agents that are available. You have to look at his age. He is pretty young um, still, which is something I pointed out quite a bit. He's not, like, super-duper young, he's, and he's obviously been in the league for quite some time, but not someone who's over the hill, and his next contract could probably probably be kind of his prime, or at least prime and a little bit of post-prime on his next deal, which is probably worth it. If he shoots the way he did in the second half last season, we talked about that on the last pod with uh, with Jeff and also on a previous podcast with Tower Jones. If Alex Lynn shoots forty percent from three, he's gonna get, he's gonna make some money. I'm not sure how much money, but the center market just kind of a mess, honestly, and it's been that way for a while. If teams view him as a backup center, that market is kind of dried up, with the exception of Dwight Powell getting a lot of money for really no reason this summer from Dallas as a re-sign and restructure. There's not really too much in the way of money to go around for backup centers. So if Alex Lynn is seen as that, um, he might be in some trouble. But if he's a starter and he's going to be a starter this year, if he if he breaks out a little bit more, makes shots, defends at a reasonable level, then Alex Lynn could certainly get paid. And I do think because of the fact that the Hawks have so much cap space, if they if they really like if they really like Alex Lynn and he was he was a Travis Schlenk signing, I think they do like him. I think he played well. I think he fit well last year. It would not surprise me at all if Lynn was still on the roster. I would you know, you kind of have to bet. I don't know. You kind of have to say less than 50-50 just because of the fact that he's unrestricted and just a lot can happen between now and then. But I think um, when compared to a typical unrestricted free agent, I think that Len has a higher chance than you might think to return after next season. That's not sourced. I'm just kind of guessing a little bit right now. But, you know, I guess the incoming thing would be Bruno Fernando's status. But for me, Bruno, you have to bank on at this point in time not being a starting center moving forward. He certainly has that potential in the future, but I don't think you can build, you know, at this point in time in, in September 
before his rookie season, you can't be, you can't bank on him being a starting center moving forward. And uh, with nobody else on the roster that really has that role, if Alex Lynn plays well, there's a reason that the Hawks couldn't resign him. And uh, I think he's a pretty good fit. So I, I think it's a decent chance that he's back. I, I, I'm not really sure what I give it percentage wise, but something like a coin flip will probably be appropriate at this point in time. Last thing, uh, more of a funny question from Braden, who asks, am I the only one wishing John Collins was on Team USA right now? Um, I talked about this before. I wrote about it a little bit as well. I sort of wrote a plea to have John Collins and Trey Young, really, be on, t- be on Team USA. I think Trey just wouldn't be playing, which would be un- which would not be a terrible uh, amount of fun, although I think he should probably be there. But Collins, it's pretty interesting. This team is kind of, uh, at least this Team USA, is kind of void of power forwards. Like, it's like Harrison Barnes and you know, some weirdness, weirdness of power forward. So I think he'd actually play on this roster. And I think his skill set would be actually pretty interesting, particularly, particularly now that he can shoot the ball from three pretty consistently. I think John um, obviously can play. He's better than some guys that are on the roster right now. He is not a great defender, which might hurt him in, in this setting, but his, his just physical size and the way that he can kind of overwhelm people. The Hawks, I mean, sorry, the Hawks team USA has had some trouble scoring to this point in time, which Collins might help with as well. I think he'd be a pretty good fit there. So, um, number one, for the content, it would, would have been great. We, we, we would have been talking about John Collins quite a bit over the last several weeks um, playing at Team USA. So that would have been nice for me and uh, I think Hawks fans as well. But number two, and I guess more importantly, I think he would just help Team USA. So I, I wish he was there. I think he should have been there. I think it was kind of silly the way that it was all handled. But alas, um, maybe next maybe next time around he'll uh, get a shot along with Trey Young and it'll be a lot more fun for people covering the Hawks and also Hawks fans everywhere. So... That'll do it on today's podcast. I'm a little bit shorter than uh, normal, as I just said, but uh, we have more to come with Jeff Siegel in the future. I have four more installments planned with him, breaking down power forwards, small forwards, shooting guards, and point guards in advance of the season. And then uh, training camp's coming. Media day is three weeks from today. It is coming in a hurry. Basketball is on the way, and uh, we'll talk plenty more in the future. Please subscribe to this podcast via the platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, all those places, and uh, we really appreciate it. Leave leave, uh, some feedback as well. If you uh, like the podcast, I really appreciate that. Rate, review, and uh, subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see everybody later on this week.